Yes, sir. Appreciate that song. If you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10. I want to preach this morning on the importance of the home. And uh, we're going to have a baby dedication here in a little bit. And, and I'm aware of that. And, and, but I, I believe the importance of the home is such an important, important thing. And it's kind of a lost concept, to be honest with you today. Mark chapter number 10, as you're turning there in your Bibles, and uh, I want to read, I will take our text in verse number 1, Mark chapter number 10, in verse number 1, alternately, I, I guess the title could be God's standard for the home, and I believe that's, a, that's important that we look at God's standard and what God wants for the home. Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, and he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resorted unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered a to write a bill of divorcement, and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your word, the standard with which we ought to live our life. God, I thank you for just the ability that we have to have your word, God, in our homes, in our laps, uh, with us wherever we are. God, what a great privilege we have to have your word and have an understanding of your word and to have a church and to have songs. And, and God, what we are very blessed and we are very privileged. And God, I pray that you would help us to look at your standard for the home and what you designed. And God, help us to get our homes back on track where they need to be. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that you'd speak through me. And God, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at the passage this morning, I want to point out just a few things, some observations that I have. First and foremost, that almost every time uh, the Pharisees come to Jesus, uh, they were coming to him uh, not in sincerity, but rather to question him and to try and get Jesus to fall or to catch him in his words or to mess him up. So the Pharisees are not coming to Jesus with a sincere, earnest question. And you need to understand that up front. I looked up every usage of the Pharisees in the, in the Gospels, and only one time did a Pharisee come to Jesus sincerely, and that was in John chapter 3. That was Nicodemus who came to Jesus. That was the only time. Every time, matter of fact, he's saying, woe unto the scribes and Pharisees, woe unto the scribes and Pharisees. And time and time again, he's condemning them because they were not sincere in their search for the Messiah. 
Matter of fact, they came trying to prove and, and condemn and cast down the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to understand that first and foremost about the passage as it was Pharisees that came to him. And matter of fact, the text says that in verse number two, they came tempting him. They were trying to catch him in his words. They were trying to get him to go uh, against uh, what they thought was, was the word of God. And so they were trying to, to catch Jesus. But yet a great truth is taught concerning marriage by Jesus. And I want to look at the idea of the home in the beginning of the home. Now let me say this very carefully. In the society that we live in, the concept of the home is so messed up that it's hard to recognize, to be honest with you. It just is. Um, let me give you an illustration um, I didn't ask you before, and Nathan, could, would, would you mind helping me? Would you come on up here? I appreciate it. Nathan went to camp this week. I'm glad he did. Come on up here, buddy. Now, let me tell you something. Nathan, you got any scars? No? Yeah, yeah he's got, got, got a couple. Okay. Uh, you don't have to show me them. That's all right. But I, I was hoping you were scar-free. But that's all right. We'll just pretend you're scar-free, all right? I have scars in my life. I got, I got a big old scar on my elbow. I got a big old scar on my foot. You know what those scars are from? Just stay right there. They're from stupid things that I did in my life. They're there because I made stupid mis mistakes, and I paid the price, and the, it hurt, and I bear those scars on my body. They're, the one on my foot is probably bigger than my fist. It's good size. It will never go away. I will bear that scar with me the rest of my life. I'll bear the scar on my elbow and the scar on my back the rest of my life for stupid things that I did in my life. Nathan, we're going to pretend you're scar-free. Doesn't, well, for all practical purposes today, you don't have any scars. I want Nathan to grow up scar-free. I don't want Nathan to make the same stupid mistakes that I made in my life and have big old scars that will be left on his life for the rest of his life. It's important. And so I'm going to try and instruct Nathan in his life and try and keep him, hey, scar-free if I'm his parents. And so understand this. Thank you, Nathan. You can go sit down. That's all I wanted. I understand this, that, that there are homes that bear scars that cannot be removed. They're there for the rest of your life. You can't undo those. I'm not asking you to undo those. I'm not, I, I understand that they're there. And I understand sometimes it's accidents and sometimes it's poor decisions. I understand all of that is there. But understand this, there are those, there's people who have yet to fall into those same pitfalls, and I want to keep their homes as absolutely unscarred as we possibly can. So I want to say this this morning, I understand if your, your home is scarred and if there's already problems and there's already difficulties, sometimes those cannot be undone and I understand that. You just have to live with what you have. I have to live with the scars that I have. But don't allow that to, uh, don't, don't let me, don't allow me and allow the Word of God to help yours, and other homes 
as we go forward. We can't change the past, but what we do going forward can make a difference. So I just want that to be very clear up front, that I do understand uh, that there are some homes uh, that have been wrecked by sin. I understand there are some difficult circumstances, but I want to drag us back to the standard that God set up in the very beginning because that's how God intended a home to run. And so Jesus here is questioned by the Pharisees. They said uh, to him in verse number 2, the Pharisees came to him and asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? And their question, again, was not out of sincerity, but rather to tempt Jesus Christ. And he answered them unto them. Uh, and he said in verse number 3, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. Verse number 5, And Jesus answered and said unto them, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Verse number six, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And I want us to go all the way back to the beginning of God's standard of how he designed the home. So go with me to Genesis chapter number two. Save your spot here in Mark chapter number 10 as we'll be back here. But in Genesis chapter number two, I want us to see how God in instituted the home and how God designed and set up the home and how God intended the home to go forward. So Genesis chapter number two, right in the beginning of your Bible, in verse number 18, the Bible says this, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Let's continue reading. And out of the ground, and out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to the all cattle and to the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help me for him. Let me just stop right here because I want to say this. How cool it would have been to be Adam and call that a cat and call that a dog and call that a cow and call that a monkey. Where did he come up with all those words? I have no idea. But how cool a job to be able to name all of those animals. Call that a turkey, call that a pigeon, call that a dove, call that... I mean, could you imagine uh, and, and how he would have remembered all of that? I had six children and I can't half the time remember their names. Imagine trying to remember, what did I call that thing? It was a dog? No, it was a cat? I don't remember. How cool that would have been. Let's go on in verse number 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and the wife, and were not 
ashamed. I want us to notice back in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 6, Jesus said this, and you don't have to go there because we're going to stay here in Genesis for a moment, but Jesus said, in the beginning it was not so. So we went back to the beginning, and I want you to notice this about the text, that God ordained the home. He instituted the home. It was one of the, it's the oldest and the first institution that God created on this earth. And that is Adam and Eve. And I want you to notice that it is the first institution. God let Adam know that, that what single life was like in verse number 18. And I just want to say, thank the Lord, I'm not single. I did not, I was single for, uh, well, after I got out of my parents' home and I lived just for a little bit, a single life, man, I didn't enjoy it. I'll be honest with you. Um, it was rough. I don't cook very well. And, uh, and so, therefore, I did not eat very well. And, uh, and so, it was just, I did not enjoy that. And I'm, I'm glad. But, but God allowed Adam to experience that single life. You'll notice he was busy naming all the animals. He gave him a job to do. And he was busy with stuff. But when it came to the end of the day, uh, the Bible says that there was no help me found for Adam. There was nobody. He didn't have somebody. And so, God created uh, and uh, created uh, Eve out of the rib that he took from Adam. You ever want to know if you're ever on Jeopardy, all right? That was the first surgery. Uh, by the way, I think that's where probably where the medical profession came up with the idea of anesthesia, that you could put a man out and bring him back, even though we're not God, but that's the same idea that is there. And so I just want us to know that God provided Eve for them. And then God, it was not out of sight that God married them. Verse 24 and 25, the Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And I want you to notice that this was a complete home. There was no children necessary for God to establish a home. So we find that there is a home that was instituted by God. Now let me just point some things out about this text because I believe it's so important in our day and age that we live that we have to recognize this. I want you to notice, and it's even pointed out in Mark chapter number 10, uh, that, that it was male and female make a home. Now, there's obviously other inferences there, uh, but let me just state this as well, that if a couple of guys share an apartment, it's not a home. You'll know that right away. It won't smell like a home. It won't look like a home. Uh, it'll probably look like a tornado that, that just continues to go through. Uh, and so uh, a couple of guys in an apartment is not a home. Uh, dorm life at college, I can testify, it is not a home. Okay? It's just not the same. And, uh, and so uh, getting some people and, and staying in a place is not a home. It's not the same thing as a man being married to a woman. And then I have to point that out as well. It is a man and it is a woman that are married that make a home. That's how God designed it. That's how God instituted it. I've often heard it said and I've often heard it preached that God made Adam and Eve. He did not make Adam and Steve. All right, that's how God made it. I don't apologize for that. That's what the Word of God says. And God married that man and that woman, and they made a home. So we understand that. And listen, man has destroyed the idea of a home today. Maybe I could more properly say sin 
And the world's philosophy has totally devastated the idea of what a home is today. I mean, the whole idea has just been shattered. And, uh, and many homes are, are just so broken. And it's, it's sad what sin has done. It's sad what the philosophy of the world has done. It's sad how our society has, has almost gone against a home being a home as God has instituted it. So we find that God made the home. Let me just say this as well because it's there in our text. Because it's also in the Bible that multiple wives was never God's plan from the beginning. We see that in Scripture. God made Adam and Eve. He didn't make Adam and Eve and Sarah and Rebecca and uh, ten other women for Adam. He made one woman and one man. He didn't make multiple wives. He never intended man to marry multiple wives. I say that because that comes up in the Bible. It happened quite a few times. Listen, there's lots of sins in the Bible that people did that we ought not replicate, okay? Uh, so understand that there's not uh, the idea of multiple wives. Divorce uh, was not instituted here. God didn't make Adam and then Eve and then say, well, you know, just in case Adam and Eve don't make it, I'm going to create another woman or another man, okay? God didn't do that. He didn't design that. His original intention was, as I've heard it said many times, one woman and one man for one lifetime. That's God's plan. That's what He set up. That's what He instituted. That's what He designed here in Genesis. And so God ordained and instituted the home. Now I want to note this as well. Go back to Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10. And look with me in verse number 7. The Bible says this. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they were no more twain but one flesh. Let me just say this, that God designed uh, and instituted the home, but secondly, God designed people for companionship. Uh, God designed people for companionship. Now, I want to say this as well. Uh, there are some people who are single, and they're okay with that, and there's nothing wrong with that. By the way, uh, that's not anti-biblical. Uh, Paul said it this way. He said in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. So it's not sin to be single. It's not sin to, uh, to not desire that companionship. Um, that's, that's perfectly within bounds. That happens sometimes. And, uh, and the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 12. I'll not expound upon it much, but I'll give you the verse. The Bible says, For are the, there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb. We'll just stop right there, but understand this. There are some people who are single and will remain single, and they're okay. They don't have a problem with that. And so there's, I'm, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I want to just say that. But God did design mankind for companionship. 
And by and large, most people understand uh, that, hey, they want uh, a companion. The Bible says uh, in Ecclesiastes, go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter number 4, verses 9 through 12. For sake of time, I won't spend a lot of time here, but, but I would like to read it. Ecclesiastes chapter number 4 and verse number 9. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4.9, the Bible says, Two are better for, than one, because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he, that, he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And listen, I'm just saying that the Bible points out that, the, hey, there is a reward of having companionship and having somebody that would work with you. And there's a reward for two people working toward the same, the, the same goal and two people raising children. Hey, I've had experienced this in our house. When one is sick, the other one can take care of the kids. And I hate it when sickness goes through our house. Uh, but because then I, I, I got to do, I, I realize all the work that my wife does. I don't like it when she's sick. It's a lot of work. But you know what? I can, I can carry that load. And, and, and vice versa, if I'm sick, then she can help. And, and so there's obvious things there that, that help, and, and we can help one another, and, and we can enjoy uh, time together. And, and there's that, that innate uh, desire for companionship that most people have, and, and that, that is just something that God put in uh, mankind. And so uh, even sharing life experiences, I'm just saying that God designed people for companionship. And again, I'll say that being single is not a sin by any stretch of the imagination. There are some people uh, who are completely fine with that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I just want to say that God did design man with companionship. We see that, of course, with uh, Adam in the garden, and there was found no helpmeet for him. And so God did design us that way. Uh, but I want us to go again back to Mark chapter number 10, and I want to look at this. God expects unity in marriage. Look with me in verse number 8. The Bible says in Matthew, Mark chapter number 10, in verse number 8, And they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain, but one flesh. Let me just say this, that unity is not sameness. Okay? Uh, unity is not being the same thing. Your nose and your ear both belong to your body, but they look vastly different. They perform great, very different functions. Uh, you, you cannot breathe through your ear. Don't try it. You will not live. You will not survive. Don't breathe through your ear. Your ear is designed for hearing. Your nose is designed for breathing and for smelling. But yet, they are the same flesh. They belong to your head. They're there. 
um, and they're part of you. So they're not the same. They don't have the same functions. Uh, they are very different, matter of fact. And by the way, God made man and he made female and he designed them different. There are very obvious observations that we could make that would show us uh, that they are different. And we have to say this in 2022 because people are completely lost on this idea and they're, they're thinking, hey, we can just do whatever we want. Well, God designed us differently. There's physiological uh, differences. Now, this is straight from a science website, and it backs up from, from the Bible. But researchers, however, suggest that there appear, appears to be much less muscle hypo, hypertrophy. I probably did not pronounce that right. Hypertrophy. I can't say it right. Which is growth with strength improvements in men when compared to women. In other words, uh, that means if a man and a woman work out at the same exercises is what they were saying, that the man's muscles will grow larger than the woman's muscles. Why is that? Well, because God designed us differently. And the Bible says that uh, we are, as men, we are to give honor unto our wives as unto the weaker vessel. God designed us in that way. Uh, hair growth. It's obvious that men can grow beards and women do not. All right. So that's, that's a difference. God designed us differently. Skeletal features. If you had a skeleton here, uh, and you would be able to find out, oh, that's a, that, well, you might not, but uh, a trained person could say, hey, that's a woman's skeleton and that's a man's skeleton. They have those ways of doing that. Why is that? Because God designed us differently. And so we have a different uh, physiological uh, makeup. We are just different. And then there's psychological. Well, we could spend all day here. We won't for time's sake. But, uh, but I'll just mention a few of these. Women tend to be warmer and more sensitive than men and who tend to be more assertive on average. That's by and large true. Um, these are just averages. Women, we all know this, boy, we can go off the, uh, the rails on this. Women and men have different ways of speaking. You ever heard of the book, uh, women are from Mar Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus? Um, because our communication is totally different. The way we communicate, the things that we say, uh, these are just the, our makeup. Uh, men, I was pointed out many years ago, men tend to be hunters and women tend to be gatherers. In other words, uh, that even plays true today. Uh, when I go into Walmart, um, I, my wife, she doesn't go often when I go, sometimes she will, and, and uh, I'm like, I'm going in. I don't get a cart because if I can't carry it, I don't need it. I go in. This is why I don't do the grocery shop in my house, by the way. I go in. Man, I get that one thing that I went in there to get. I get it in my hand. I go straight to the register. I cash out. And I can take an average of 10 minutes in Walmart, in and out. I mean, I don't mess around. I'm not there to browse. I'm not there to see their clearance. I'm not there to hang out and see all the deals that they have. Now, when my wife goes in, and she goes in for one thing, one thing, she's not in there for 10 minutes. She's in there for a little longer. And she browses. Because why? Because God made us different. And I'm glad that she's like that, and I'm glad that she does the grocery shopping, and I don't do that. 
I'm just saying there are obvious differences that God designed us, but unity is not sameness. We're not designed to be the same. We are different. We have different functions. We have different tasks. But unity is oneness. In other words, we work together for the same object and for the same goal. This past week, the week before actually, I was at camp at the Wilderness Christian Camp and uh, I was helping in the Switchback Kids program. The Switchback program is a bunch of kids that basically this is their last chance and they go and spend 20 days at this camp and if they don't get their life on track, usually uh, they end up going off the rails in a wrong direction. And so uh, he's got lots of of programs that are uh, made and designed to help these young people get their life back on track. And one of the things that he he has is uh, is he has a a practice and and, and he says assigns them into cabins. And so I had uh, nine guys in the cabin that I was helping with. And uh, and in that cabin, he's telling them, hey, uh, listen, you guys got to go and you've got to do this project. And so you know what happens? All nine of those guys, all individuals, all go, and they, they all are working on their own. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And I kid you not, I watched one cabin that, uh, that they all tried uh, to build a, basically a catapult. It was a trebuchet, which I never heard of. It was quite impressive. Um, but they, they built it all out of natural materials. And the, the one team, I kid you not, those kids were off in the woods. They were bringing materials back. They had materials laying there. But when it came time to show their trebuchet, they had nothing. Why is that? Because not one of them worked together. They were all a bunch of individuals. They were all working. They were all doing something, but none of them were coordinating to work in the same direction. They all had their own plans. They all had their own ideas. They all were going every which way and trying to, uh, to put together something that not, was not coordinated. And our team, our, our team actually worked really good together. And those guys, they came up with a plan, they went out, they got materials, they brought things together, they tied it all up, and they had a beautiful looking trebuchet because they worked together. And what unity is, is a mom and a dad working towards the same goal in their house to raise up their children and to bring them to church and to teach them about God. It's a unity that they're saying, hey, we are going the same direction in our life. Yes, we perform different tasks. Yes, we're different in nature. Yes, we're different in how we communicate. But our goals and our aim is the same thing and we're going the same direction in our house. Sadly, there's many houses that are not like that. Listen, he says here in our text, and they twain shall be one flesh, and so then they that are no more twain but one flesh. And they're working in unity towards a common goal. And God expects unity in marriage. We find the idea that God instituted and designed the home. God designed people for companionship and God expects unity in that home. Those are just three simple things that we find out of our text. That God designed our home. Listen, I want homes to go forward. I want homes to be unified. 
I want to try and save some of these homes. Oh, they, they may already have some scars, yes, but listen, from here forward, hey, maybe we could save them some other scars. Maybe we could save them some other heartache. Maybe we can help them. Yeah, the, the past cannot be undone. Uh, you can't undo those things. But listen, going forward, hey, we can work towards these things and recognize that God wants unity and expects unity in the home and we can work together even through our differences, even through our different designs, even through our different communications, that we can work together for one common goal of having a home that's built on the Lord Jesus Christ with every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your instruction on the home. And God, I know that in our world today, we have broken much of what you said. The mold has been completely lost in some cases of what a home ought to be. But God, I pray that you'd help us, help our homes. God, strengthen our homes to have unity, to work together, though we're different, though we're different in design, though we're different in function. Help us to work together. God, I pray that you would help our homes to be knit, bound together, serving you. I pray, Father, that you would help each and every home that's here. I pray that you'd bless it. I pray that you'd strengthen it. God, I pray that you'd help them to found their home on you, the solid rock. God, if we found our home on anything else, it's sinking sand, much like the foolish man built his house upon the sand. But the wise man built his home upon that, the rock, and God, we know that you are that rock. We must build our home on you. God, I pray that you would bless each and every family, each and every person, strengthen them, help them to live for you to recognize God's standard for the home. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, we ask all this in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed as the piano is playing, maybe you're here this morning and God's spoken to your heart. Maybe your home needs to be unified. Maybe you want to make that your prayer. Maybe there's something else, but whatever the need, God can help you and strengthen your home. The home is God's first institution. It's one of the most important things in this world. He later instituted government. He later instituted the church. But the home is the, the building block of the country. You don't have a country without homes. You don't have a church without homes without families that are founded on the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever the need, the altar is open.